Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular religious hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hey everybody, welcome back to my podcast. Today we have a very exciting guest. She's my friend, Tasha Tormi. She lives in the Bay Area of California and serves with the Goretti Group. And today we're going to be discussing vocations. Welcome. Hello, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited to be chatting with you again and to be talking about vocations. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here. If you don't mind, we're going to open with an Our Father really quickly. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. All right. Well, this is a very exciting topic. It's one that I haven't really been able to cover on my podcast before. So I guess we're just going to jump right into it and start with what a vocation is. So most people think of a vocation as something that you are called to do, something that comes from a higher calling in Christianity and in Catholicism. We believe that God has given us special gifts to suit a specific way of life or perhaps even a certain spiritual community. When people think of vocations, they think of becoming a priest, becoming a sister, or more colloquially known, a nun, or a consecrated virgin, or your vocation could be married life. That is, honestly, I think people get confused between vocation and path in life sometimes. They think that they need to know their their vocation, vacation, (laughs) vocation, like right away. And they can't, they have to discern it almost immediately when they figure out what a vocation is. What's your experience with vocations? Well, I think that a lot of people default to assuming that marriage is their vocation. And for most people, it will be, but it's not for everyone. And I think everyone should consider religious life. I never really seriously considered religious life until I was in my early 20s, I had a reversion to Catholicism after being a born-again Christian for five years, and I went on a spiritual exercises retreat with the Miles Christi order. 
So for those of you familiar with Ignatius, St. Ignatius of Loyola, there's a bunch of spiritual exercises that you can do that are meditations, a series of meditations. Ideally, you want to do a 30-day version of this guided meditation program, but they have seven-day ones and they have two-and-a-half-day ones. And I did a weekend one with Milas Christie. I met a spiritual director there and he asked me, have you considered becoming a sister? Have you ever considered religious life? And I really hadn't seriously thought about it as an adult, but then 24 hours later, you know, 24 hours in silence later, because it is a silent exercise, except for confession and spiritual direction, I met with him again and I started thinking more about it. So that led me to look into Vision Vocation Network. It's basically an online quiz that you can take and they will show you a bunch of different orders or spiritual communities that you could be called to. I highly recommend every high school like senior to do this, or if you're in college, or if you're just not sure and you've never really considered another vocation. There's questions about your age, your interests, even if you have a living preference, your educational background. And then at the end, it will show you different communities that you could be a match with. So I had an interest with working with children and one of the communities that showed up was the Silesian sisters. I had never even heard of them. And then later on, I ended up visiting the Carmelites and doing a bit of volunteering with them. It was actually through me volunteering with the Carmelites that I realized this isn't for me and marriage is my vocation. But I, I would also recommend some secular resources too that can help people determine their vocation I think it's really important for Catholics to have a spiritual director, as well as to know people in different vocations. Like if you've never talked to a consecrated virgin or a priest or a sister, or you don't really intimately know a married couple outside of your parents, I would highly recommend getting to know someone in a vocation that you're potentially seeking. That's awesome. And I know like finding a vocation can be scary too. You know, and also for all of those resources you listed for those listening, I am listing those in the show notes in the uh, in the podcast. So make sure you go check those out if you're interested, because our vocations are a big deal. I mean, they are literally God's will for us. And sometimes they're not as obvious as we would like them to be. God doesn't just pop out of the clouds and be like, hey, kiddo, you're going to get married or hey, I want you to be a nun. You know, it's not that easy. And I think a lot of us have fear. Um, coming into a a vocation. I know a lot of friends who they thought their vocation was uh, being a nun or a sister, and they had a lot of fear around that because it basically means they have to leave the life they're so familiar with. And then they find out later, oh, it actually wasn't my vocation. Um, How do we get over that fear of discovering our vocation? That's a great question. I think that knowing people in it is the biggest part. And I think that spending time with those in religious communities, especially if you're considering that, is super important. I also think it's good to consider that there are, I I didn't know this until like doing the vision vocation network process, but there are so many different spiritual communities. And I think a lot of times we we have a very limiting idea of what it means to be a nun or what it means to be a priest. And a lot of times we don't have enough knowledge about a specific community like Jesuits or Franciscans or Carmelites, or even being a cloistered versus someone who is working in an apostolic ministry, like teaching or involved with evangelism. 
there, there's basically like an order for every person with every interest and every kind of gift. So religious life is really diverse. And I think we have this antiquated idea that you're just silent all day. You have to wear a full habit. Um, it's not like that. So I would say getting over the fear is just getting to know different communities to broaden your horizons of what kind of a life is possible for you. You could live in the middle of New York City and be working in media as a nun. Like there's a a group of sisters like St. Paul's um, evangelism, and they focus on that. The Sisters of St. Paul, I believe is what it's called. You know, you could be living out in the middle of the countryside in silence, working, praying. You could be living in Jerusalem. There's so many different places you can go and options for you. Another thing to help get over that fear is to spend time in silence with God, either in adoration or I would recommend for me, like I love going to the beach and just like sitting by myself in silence. I feel like God has always spoken to me when I seek him out at the beach. Not that he doesn't in adoration either, but probably also because this was something I did before I was going to adoration when I was just Protestant Christian or kind of other versions of my spirituality, sitting in silence with God. Too many times we get other people's voices in our heads and that contributes to the fear. Your family's voices in your head, your friends, your boyfriend or girlfriend is like, why, why are you considering this? Or your parents are like, you should become a priest or you should get married. I want grandchildren. And you really got to find a place where no one else's voice is in your head except for you and the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And I know you said while you were with the Carmelites, that's how you found out that you know, being a nun wasn't your vocation. What were the steps that led to your realization of that? Um, I mean, I can be super frank or I can be like more polite. (laughs) (laughs) It's up to you. It's up to you. Frank. So I have a very strong personality. I'm a very strong personality woman. Everyone who's encountered me, all my friends know that coworkers know that. Um, and I, I'm just going to be honest and explain it as I would with nothing against the Carmelites, nothing at all, because they're beautiful. They do amazing work. I think they're amazing. I realized I don't want a mother superior telling me what to do. If I don't get to choose that person, Mm -hmm. if I get to choose my husband and I, I will submit to him because I already chose him. And that's kind of like as logical as I can explain it, but I'm also kind of a cerebral person in how I process things. For some people, it might just be a gut feeling or like a, an instinct of like, oh, this isn't right for me. For me, I realized that I never really loved being around a big group of women. I went, to an, all, I went to an all-girls school for two years and I didn't like the experience at all. Like I remember eating lunch by myself many days. I remember going to rallies and like all the girls are screaming and it was just too much for me. Like I was very overwhelmed. I really needed to be around men and I, and a lot of my closest friends in my life have been men. So I think for me, I just had, I forgot like my, a slight aversion to being around like only women. Like I was never in a sorority that's just not for me. So I really kind of value like co-ed communities. And although you can have priests in those communities too, like it truly is like a single sex environment. And that could have been something I could have submitted to the Lord on and like work through. But to be honest, going into that, I feel like my desire would have then been to be in charge, to become a mother superior of my own order or something like that. And when you take these vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, 
the obedience one is something that I knew I would really struggle with. Now, this could just be like someone could be listening to this be like, Tasha, that's like a horrible reason. You know, the Lord could have like grown you or whatever. There were some other reasons, but that was like the predominant one, as well as I do have a desire to have sex and to be married and to be a mother and to serve a man. And as long as I can remember, I've always like had crushes on guys is like really desired male companionship and relationships. And, um, you know, sometimes people have that too for a season, but it's, it's then they're called to single life, but others like their singleness becomes more of an overwhelming sense of peace. And I think for me, when I looked at some of the rooms that the women stayed at, um, I, I went inside of them and I just kind of thought to myself, if I was in the future state sitting here, alone sleeping alone every night like I feel very lonely and I really would long for like intimacy and then I thought oh no like I would I would be so upset with myself if like living this life actually led me to like sin personally with like thoughts of lust or something like that just to be frank like I did have that thought occur to me when I saw like where they slept and things like this and um so, and that day too, I just like, like one particular day when I was volunteering, when I really kind of concluded that this wasn't for me, I just, that's, that's kind of some of my reasoning, I guess. No, absolutely. And I, I mean, it's valid because if we go into a vocation that God does not, you know, put us in, like, we're going to be miserable. Like when God puts a vocation, like in front of you, you're not going to feel miserable trying to pursue that vocation and some people are like well look at saint Therese of Lisieux, who was a carmelite nun and she was miserable i'm like no she really wasn't miserable i mean she had these feelings of misery and she suffered a lot sure but she was very happy in her vocation she suffered a lot but that is what she wanted to do and she knew it um for those of us it's like if we were going to be miserable or even you know have fear of like sinning because we know it's not our vocation like don't go that path then you know i mean i know people especially there was an older woman who died this year who she has like seven kids and when her husband died and she became a widow she went and joined the Carmelites um and that's appropriate because I mean she was married but her husband died till death do us part and so she could go join the Carmelites and she had like I believe it was 17 grandbabies that she never even met um so it's just but that's a hard life of course as well you know never being able to see your grandchildren or your own children that's difficult but um, you know, different vocations at different times in life, you know. Uh, but the thing is, is that I always found inspiration from the saints in vocations. Uh, who are some saints that come to mind when you think of your vocation? Well, um, St. Monica is my confirmation saint, and I would say she's like my, my patron saint. Um, she is actually, well, you know, she wasn't in the best happy marriage herself. So a lot of mothers and wives do pray to her, but she's St. Augustine's mother and she prayed for his conversion for many years. So I feel like I have a natural inclination towards evangelism. And I think of her as like praying for those who are not yet Catholic and kind of like helping them along the way. I definitely see that as a through line of part of my vocation as a, as a single person. And she helps those who are struggling with addiction. And I actually dated someone who had an addiction, but I've also had many friends who've had addictions. And I've found a lot of people open up to me about their addictions. I've never had an addiction, 
but I feel like I help people who've been through some things like that. So I think that's kind of like an, an odd coincidence with St. Monica. And then, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, she is a, a figure for me for motherhood, as well as, you know, being a wife, even if it's not necessarily the happiest situation. St. Maria Goretti is another important saint in my life, obviously with the Goretti group, and she's a patron saint of purity. So right now I'm called to be chaste and I'll always be called to be chaste, even if I'm married. However, um, right now it's like the celibate version of chastity <laughs> where, um, and it's hard, you know, I'm going to be 28 next month and I'm still not married. And, you know, it's like that desire for intimacy. It, it does grow. Um, I think for me, at least it's kind of grown stronger in the last few years, but I think that St. Maria Goretti and St. Monica, you know, they intercede on my behalf. I recently came back from Rome and I got to see both of their shrines. I saw St. Monica's bones and she's actually near St. Valentine's bones too. So I prayed for my future husband for near both of them. And then um, St. Maria Goretti, of course, I saw her, her shrine, like her body and everything like that. So yeah, those are like the, the two saints I think of for vocation in kind of like a, a lesser sense, more when it comes to those gifts, right? Because vocation is not just being married, being a priest. It also has to do with your spirituality and the gifts. Some are called to be teachers and others prophets and others, you know, speaking in tongues or interpreting tongues. There's all these gifts in the Bible that are talked about. So I definitely feel like mine is like teaching and evangelization. Very cool. And I know you mentioned like it's hard, you know, it's hard to wait for your vocation, to wait for a husband when you know that that's your vocation. What is your experience with like doubt or just um, impatience maybe with your vocation? I know there's so many people who are like, I just want to be married now. I just want to have kids are basically in the similar situation or they're like, I'm too young to be a nun, but I know it's what I want to do and I have to wait. It's, it's like, what, what in those instances can people do? I think that we can always prepare for our vocation and, um, you know, so many, there, there's something that, um, kind of on the married side that comes to my mind when I was a Protestant, I was in a Bible study with a bunch of women. And one woman said to another woman, remember that your husband is the man you prayed for. Mm-hmm. And that hit me really hard because in like women's you know, Bible studies, especially if you're with a bunch of married women, a lot of times they'll complain about their husbands or like there's something going on in their relationship that comes to light. And sometimes married people just talk about the drudgery of it and how hard it is. And they don't talk about like how beautiful it is. And I just realized like, whoa, like I need to be praying for the man I'm supposed to marry. And remember after I married him, like, oh man, all those years when I was single praying for you and now I have you and now I'm called to love you unconditionally. So I would say prepare for your vocation, really know your faith, have a solid group of Catholic friends who sharpen you like iron sharpens iron, know the word of God, deepen your knowledge of Catholicism. If you've never done ministry, do some sort of ministry. If it's children's ministry, catechism, confirmation, sponsor someone in RCIA, prison ministry, get involved in ministry. If you think you're called to be a mother, prepare yourself by having some experiences with teaching children. 
um, I'm an only child and it was through children's ministry as a Protestant that I realized I actually like was good at relating to kids and enjoyed teaching them. I didn't really have an experience with kids at all growing up. So that was like new to me. And then I would say always journal and pray to God to continue to reveal to you your vocation and what he wants you to do in the meantime. It is hard for women, um, I mean, and men as well, who kind of lose faith that God provided someone for them. And I have a friend who's actually, she's 40 and she's getting married and she's never been married and she's Catholic. And she knew her now, her soon to be husband. She knew him for like eight years, but it was like six years before they started dating. Wow. So he was out of her life through Catholic ministries that they brought, brought them together. And she wasn't sure she was ever going to get married. And she's also a lay Carmelite. So that's something too, people don't know. You can be a lay Carmelite. There's different versions of how to, how to live about that spirituality. So that's just an example with a message of hope. Um, my parents, they have a unique story. They dated when they were 18 and then they broke up. And then 16 years later, they got back together. And so my mom thought she was never going to get married. And she was like 34 when she started dating my dad. They got married at 36. And my mom had me when she was 38. And I think in these like traditional communities, especially a lot of people think like, oh, women past 30, you know, they're not going to get married or their eggs are expiring. And that's just like not true and not the best way to look at it. So that's kind of like a little bit of advice about how to prepare. It is definitely hard um, for those people looking to be married, like go to adoration, go to ministry, put yourself in situations where you can meet someone. I tell myself all the time, like, I'm not going to meet my husband by sitting in my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Although I will say with social media, you could sit in your apartment and like evangelize and then maybe meet someone on Instagram. It's possible. (laughs) It's possible, but for the most part, you're probably going to meet your spouse in community or through friends. So form those friendships and like, let your close Catholic friends know that you're looking because sometimes people really hide that that's a desire for them. And then their friends never think about them or try to introduce them to anyone. Make friends with married couples too, who can help mentor you through that. Married couples are excellent resources for you know, introducing people. And then on the side of being a nun or being a priest, definitely continue to discern which, um, which community is right for you because it's, it's so diverse, apostolic, it's so diverse. And then I would say, consider consecrated virginity as well. A lot of times we just think about marriage or becoming a nun or a priest. There's a third path called consecrated virginity, which is a really old rite in the church. I interviewed a consecrated virgin for the Goretti group. She actually runs the New York chapter and she has like the autonomy that a single person would have, but she is consecrated with God. And that is a permanent state. Like she Mm -hmm. can never break that. So I would say people who haven't looked into that totally look into it because as a woman, you might not want to live with a bunch of women and like take all those vows of like poverty, but you might want to have your own ministry and and live a very purposed single life as a consecrated virgin. Right. No, that's perfect. And I also want to say it's like discerning your vocation does not make that vocation permanent. I know a lot of people who are like, if I go to the convent, are they just going to suck me in and I'm just going to become a nun? They're just going to kidnap me. I'm like, no, no, no. You've been watching too much, too much true crime. Um, that's not what they do. 
And actually, they don't take everyone. That's another misconception. Convents and in orders for priesthood, I've known several people who the they were not accepted by different groups. groups. Interesting. Yeah, the church is not like so desperate to just take everyone who wants to become a priest and everyone who wants to become a nun. It's really about, are you going to fit with our community? And do you have gifts that our community can benefit from? Is your temperament like our temperament? Even for the priesthood, you know, I know someone who they were basically rejected by the Jesuits. And a lot of people will say, oh, the Jesuits, they just take everyone. No, that's not true at all. None of these groups just take everyone. It's truly, are you a fit? And are you fit to be a priest? That is you know, it's a combination of does that group think you're fit to be a priest? And, you know, it's hard, but you might have to discern with multiple groups. You can go on like basically called like called go sees. Um, if you're like a woman, you can go and see. You go and you like spend a weekend or a week or whatever amount of time with different orders and see if that's for you. And it doesn't have to be something that's immediately revealed to you. It might take months, it might take years, but that's okay. I would also say, just be careful if you do have a spiritual director that they're not pushing you towards one vocation. Your spiritual director shouldn't be pushing you towards anything, but I have heard sometimes that in some communities, the spiritual director is like pushing them or they're in a spiritual, like a lay ecclesiastical movement where someone is like, you should become this and you should become that. So that's where I go back to like, have your own voice and God's voice in your head instead of just all these other people's voices. And that takes time to really discern like, what is your voice? What is the Holy Spirit's voice? And who are other people's voices? Absolutely. Because it's funny you mentioned that because I did have a friend who she went and stayed with some nuns for like a weekend retreat, go and see retreat. And she was just like, nah, nah, that's not for me. She was like a senior in high school. And then she was discerning marriage for a really long time. She had like two or three boyfriends, you know, and then it was like 10 years later that she was like, you know what, actually though, When she was at the convent, she felt so much peace and just joy being there. But she was just like, nah, I want to live my life and I want to have boyfriends and I want to like see my friends and things. And she ended up becoming a a sister. So things like that happen actually quite often. Sometimes you're not in the right spiritual state where God is like, yeah, you're good to go. You know, sometimes we need to learn and grow. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I don't know, not to talk about other people when they're not here, but like Father Mike Schmitz has a really interesting story, you know, about him discerning his vocation. And there are many priests who maybe had very serious romantic relationships, sometimes even up until like engagement or close to engagement, but they realized their real calling was to be a priest. I think every man should discern if he's called to be a priest because I think a lot of men like they kind of just default to I'm going to be married especially because of that overwhelming sensual desire that men tend to have but you know everyone should discern and we need good priests men who would make good fathers and good husbands make good priests you have to be a father you have to shepherd people you have to have a desire to provide for your flock to protect your flock Becoming a priest is not a consolation prize for not finding a Catholic wife to marry. And I feel like some men I've met when they're single, they can't find a lady. They'll say things like, oh, maybe I should just become a priest. Oh, no. And it's like, yeah, it's like, no, it's not a consolation prize. Becoming a priest is 
you're basically on the, you're on the front lines, you're on the spiritual front lines. It is hard. Um, it's like, if you want to be a real soldier for Christ, if you want to get in the battlefield, become a priest, it's not like, oh, I guess I'll become a priest because no one wants to marry me. (laughs) That's not not the right attitude to have. Right. No, absolutely. 100%. Thank you so much. Do you have any last words for people discerning vocations? Um, I think that it's a, God works in mysterious ways, right? So it's a combination of working with God privately, maybe working with God with one person, like a spiritual director or working in community. And I would say, don't overly rely on one of those. Don't overly rely on your spiritual director or like one person. Don't overly rely on your friends and family. It needs to be a blend. I would also say, if you have had trauma in your life, seek a good Catholic therapist to work through that before you try to discern your vocation. Because if you have gone through like sexual abuse or been cheated on by someone or something has happened in your life, maybe your parents had a really bad marriage, you could think, oh, marriage isn't for me. And you could be like running away from something and thinking that you're running towards something else. And the same could be true for Um, running away from priesthood or running away from being a sister, you could have had a bad experience that maybe traumatized you and make you think that's totally not for me. I could never do that. So if you have trauma, work through that first before you try to discern your vocation, because then you won't really be able to hear what your gut instinct is telling you or what the Holy Spirit's telling you. And I would say support your friends whatever their vocation is that they're contemplating. And don't try to overly tell them what you think they should be. Don't try to tell your friend, "Mm, I think you're really more suited to be a nun or "Mm, I don't see you being a priest. I think that you would be better off married or don't be a priest. There's not enough good Catholic men out there for us to marry. Like try to avoid, you know, speaking into their life, what you totally believe is true and just be supportive and listen because uh, we need good vocations in both. Mm-hmm. No, you're totally right. 100%. Well, thank you so much again. And where can my listeners find you? Yeah. Um, I'm on Instagram at Tasha Tormi sings. I also run the Goretti group Instagram at the Goretti, uh, G O R E T T I the Goretti group based on St. Maria Goretti's life. And you can just pray for me. I mean, more than the follows, the prayers, (laughs) if you listen to this, please say a Hail Mary for me and in our father and just pray that I remain Catholic because there, there are times despite all my involvement that I'm like, oh, I, I, I miss my Protestant days. Like (laughs) I I loved being an evangelical Protestant. I do know that my heart is in the Catholic faith, but just pray for me and maybe say a prayer that I find my future husband too. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I'm sure everyone will. I'm so glad that we were able to talk about vocations. I think this is very beneficial for everyone. So thank you so much, Sasha. Yes. And please pray for Amber because the religious hippie, she's doing such great work in being this light in this dark space of TikTok and Instagram and YouTube and social media. 
pray for pray for these people that you follow. Don't just follow them. Pray for them, please, because I've met many Instagrammers and it's not easy. And it's not like these people are immune from spiritual attacks or doubts or struggles or temptations. The life might seem perfect, but there's always a lot going on. So please pray for those Catholic influencers that you follow. That's my my final words of advice. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it because it, it is very true. I just got back from my social media break and it's been quite the experience being pushed back into all of the crazy mayhem of social media. So it's been crazy, but thank you so much again. And I hope this podcast was beneficial for anyone discerning their vocation, or maybe you didn't even know vocations were a thing. Maybe you're Catholic, maybe you're interested in the faith, maybe you're Protestant. It doesn't matter. Either way, we all have vocations. And with all of that being said, remember that the show notes below have all of those resources linked, and I will talk to you guys in the next podcast. questions or comments about today's episode, email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please be sure to rate and review this episode. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Information and opinions stated in this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or find us on social media for other unique content.